0: Most Things Kenobi. I prefer All Things Kenobi, but I suppose that's not the Jedi way. As long as it's not All Things Anakin.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and All Things Star Wars. I'm your host, Lauren. And I'm your host, Leanne. And this week, we are talking about the duel at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And I can't wait. (laughs) My favorite subject, Obi-Wan and Anakin.
0: (laughs) At their peak, their peak badassery.
1: It's crazy shit. And there are so many ways we could analyze this. I feel like this could be a multiple part... Episode because of how many different ways you could approach it and like how long the duel is. Yeah, yeah. And our goal is to get
0: to the following episode. The next is to compare this duel to their duel in the Kenobi show when they yeah. meet again. It's so good. <laughs> oh,
1: I I can't wait because there's so many cool parallels and like opposites kind of in a, in a way and and you you have a more
0: trained eye for this. So I'm going to let you talk more than I am well, going to
1: talk about it. <laughs> I think we came at it from different approaches, right? Because you were reading the novelization. Yeah, I decided to go back and see how
0: that... Because it's been a long time since I read Revenge of the Sith novelization. It's one of my favorites,
1: if not my favorite. We should do an episode just about the novelization because yeah. Kenobi Wolf... Gifted us the audiobook so we can
0: This is true. This is true. I, I went paperback form for this one because that's all I had on me. Yeah. But I mean, at the time I was doing this at work. <laughs> but <laughs> I was flipping through and I was reading just kind of my favorite moments, but I, I wanted to hone in on the duel itself. And it's so crazy to go back and read the novelization after seeing the Kenobi duel. Because Yes I, I texted you and I was like, there has to be something here. Did they reference it or is it just that beautifully tied together? Because I have some quotes Mm -hmm. that I'm going to sprinkle in through this episode. Awesome. And I'm going to re-sprinkle them again when we go over the Kenobi duel because they could literally be discussing the exact same moment. That's so cool. So I was not expecting that. I just decided I'm like, oh, I haven't read this in a while. I'll go back and read like how it was written. And I was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> this is great." <laughs>
1: you no, know, I so. haven't watched Revenge of the Sith since the Kenobi series came out. So it was actually really interesting to to rewatch. Mm-hmm. And and I got emotional at the end, which I don't normally. Like I do watching the Kenobi series. It makes me cry every time. And I Right. I don't normally cry in Revenge of the Sith. Like, I feel it. It's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm not moved to tears. At this time, I really was because putting it into context with Clone Wars Anakin again
0: yeah, was painful. Yes, totally.
1: I don't think I've watched it even since Season 7 of Clone Wars Ooh. came out. Ooh. So Ooh. it was just like, oh, it hits a lot harder now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I just, I gotta say this. And I say this every fucking time. And I need to say it now. The way that Hayden handles a lightsaber, <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah. it does things to me. But he is so excellent. Yeah, him and Ewan are like perfect. I, yeah. I just don't know. It's so wonderful to see them back again at the in the Kenobi show. But like you know, there's always those back those behind the scenes shots of them practicing and they're kind of goofing around, and yeah. then you see how intense they like turn it on for yes. the movie. Of course, you know, that's an actor's job, but it's literally like the friends we know from Clone Wars fighting.
1: Yeah. That's what, that moment when he says, I hate you, it's just- Oh, it's awful. It hits so much harder now after you've watched everything they've been through, all the challenges they've, you know, conquered together, and then the loss they've both felt, especially like with Ahsoka leaving and everything, it just adds this extra layer of being kicked while you're down- Totally. While that whole sequence is thrilling and exciting, it's also devastating at the same time, just like the Kenobi series. You know, I don't want to jump into that too early, but it's the same thing where you're like, oh, this is going to be good, but also it's going to rip my heart out. (laughs) Well, yes, that is Star Wars, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's
0: greatness and terrible pain. (laughs) So, where do we start? I don't even know. I. It's so epic. It's my favorite. I know a lot of people love Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Maul. You yeah. know. The duel of the fates. But this one, I think the Revenge of the Sith is my favorite. It just, it's so visually. Yeah. It just, it's the calm, the emotion and culmination. The fiery, explosive end of a friendship. It's like perfect. I don't know. Mustafar is... I know they needed a fire element to like melt Anakin, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's really good symbolism for the explosion and decimation of a friendship and yes. a relationship of how many
1: years, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start is the environment because it is an absolute symbol, like you said. Yeah, like, It's not even subtle. <laughs> It, no, and it it shouldn't be. This is it.
0: Like this is where it all comes down to. Yeah. This is it. And actually I have you know the beginning of the Revenge of the Sith novelization. It's like so perfect. Everyone knows the beginning of that novelization. If yeah. you don't, go read the first like 10 paragraphs. But my favorite line is though this is the end of the age of heroes, it has saved its best for last. And That's the beginning of the novel. And literally, that could be the introduction to their duel. This is the best. They saved their best for the last because this is it for them. They had to bring their best form, their best skill to fight each other. They knew each other so well that this was the top of the top of the top of what they brought to fight against each other it's so
1: devastating (laughs) i love it (laughs) well we've done some episodes kind of like adjacent to this subject in the past we did one where we talked about how obi-wan says to yoda send me to kill the emperor or the chancellor or whatever like he says the word send me to kill him like don't send me to do this to anakin and people always talk about obi-wan like he's a cinnamon bun and he's really not
0: (laughs) he's not He's absolutely not. But I do have quotes from the book, which I'll get to when we get to that part.
1: Yeah, I think that there's some interesting ways to look at this, right? So I took the approach of kind of like cinematography a bit, and then I used a lot of fencing references. Yes, yes. I did research on sword fighting, and (laughs) it's not a great example of it, honestly. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But the... It's kind of interesting because you can use a couple different approaches. I've listened to multiple swordsmen, I guess is how Mm -hmm. you say it, analyzing the fight. And they all say it's really not great as a sword fight, but they all love it because it's Mm -hmm. fun and it's got so much symbolic energy to it. But there's different ways you could look at it, right? So I'll just kind of go through a few things that I, I came across. Some of the biggest complaints they have is when they swing... They're not actually aiming for each other. They're aiming for each other's lightsabers. And yeah. fencing, you don't do that. And and like a lot of times, sword fights are actually in realistic, sword fights are over in one to five moves. That's true. That is very true. And they often don't stand very close together. They're actually pretty far apart. And you thrust forward. There's no thrusting in mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith. But they do use high guard a lot, where they have their... Their blade's, like, above their head, which is actually Mm -hmm. realistic, and it's because you're swinging for the head is the most vulnerable part, and it keeps your legs out of the way when you're fighting that way. That's true. So, so, like, that's all very realistic, but they say there's, like, multiple opportunities where Obi-Wan could have killed Anakin, like, when when he's below him actually there's a few times where anakin jumps at him and tries to kick him and obi-wan has a blade in his hand and they're like he literally could have just cut him in half <laughs> yeah right true something that i think is kind of interesting is yes okay maybe it's bad sword fighting it's very entertaining that's for sure but oh, what oh if- this is yeah this is, <laughs> cinem-
0: c- this is just cinema yeah, i love it it's everything movie. about it is
1: yes but let's Turn it on its ear and use that as a narrative analysis. Yes. They're swinging for each other's lightsabers. Obi Wan's not taking the opportunity. If you look at it narratively, he, maybe he's not really wanting to kill his friend and he's trying to just match him and like maybe somehow still beat him down enough that he'll listen to reason. Yes. And it becomes clear that's never going to happen at a certain point. No,
0: no, it becomes clear. But now I will supplement with the book. Yes. And what is written because it, it is literally what you're describing. The quote goes like this. I love this part. The quote goes like this. This was not Sith against Jedi. This was not light against dark or good against evil. It had nothing to do with duty or philosophy, religion or morals. It was Anakin against Obi-Wan. Personally, just the two of them and the damage they had done to each other. Then it goes on to describe Obi-Wan backflipping, leaping, they're spinning, they're, you know, all this stuff. Then it says, and this is, this is the, this is the part. He was countering strikes from this creature of rage that had been his best friend, suddenly comprehended an unexpectedly profound truth. The man Obi-Wan faced was everything that he had devoted his life to destroying. Murderer, traitor, fallen Jedi, Lord of the Sith. And here and now, despite it all, Obi-Wan still loved him. Hmm. Isn't that like so awful? And then I just want to sneak this in here. Think of the Kenobi duel. This is so heartbreaking. Ah! Yes.
1: Oh, my God. It's like a parent's pain. You know, like your child can do all the worst things in the world and you'll still love them. What a lesson. Yeah. What a lesson I know. for Obi-Wan to to realize you can still love something that isn't, <laughs> I mean, that is the, that is so Kenobi, right? Like that. It is. It's so Obi-Wan to, to still be able to care and like have that empathy and love and compassion for something that is so far from what you believed was right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And it go-
0: <laughs> I just want to read a little bit more because it supplements it. Kind of wraps it up. Yes, please. It goes on to say, Yoda had said it flat out, allow such attachments to pass out of one's life. A Jedi must. But Obi-Wan had never let himself understand. He had argued for Anakin, made excuses, covered for him again and again and again. All the while, this attachment he denied even feeling had blinded him to the dark path his best friend walked. Obi-Wan knew there was, in the end, only one answer for the attachment. He let it go. Now, how many times has poor Obi-Wan had to let it go before? Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> and this is probably the hardest one, right? And it won't be the last time he has to do this. Yeah. I'm going to reread this entire thing when we get to the next episode. Because it's so mind-boggling to me, how the parallels. And truly, that is why we love Obi-Wan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He is this Jedi. He does follow the code. He he has suffered tremendous loss and he still has to like deal with the fact that his best friend is gone. He's fighting him. It's like you said, he's trying to just wear him down, right? Anakin's throwing everything he's got at him. He's going to tire. Obi-Wan's just on the defensive the entire time. They're doing their forms. Perfectly. Anakin's throwing all offensive form five, right? Obi-Wan's all defensive form three. So they could go for hours like this, you know? And and (laughs) Obi-Wan is just like, let him expend all of his energy. And then, like you said, maybe I can talk to him or talk some sense or try one more time because I don't think Obi-Wan wanted to kill him until he had to say there was only one answer for this attachment and he had to let it go yeah and that is probably the hardest part of that entire battle
1: his internal battle well and just we'll talk about this next week just the very fact that he's standing there while his friend is in agony screaming and he he doesn't We've done an episode about this. He doesn't kill yeah. Anakin, which maybe would have been the more merciful thing to do. It's like he brings himself right up to the brink and still like doesn't want to deliver that death blow. And granted, Anakin's incapacitated, he has no weapon, a Jedi is not supposed to kill, you know, somebody who's indefensible you know it's wrong (laughs) leaving him there like that is cruel in and of its own way i i think obi-wan thought he died obviously we kind of get that sense right in the kenobi series he thought anakin died on mustafar (laughs) right But. but he walks away before he's dead and like to have first of all if you've ever, like, had a bad breakup or anything like that, where you have to walk away while you're in Mm-mm. so much pain, and it's like, you know it's the right thing to do, but you still have to do it, and you're both damaged by the whole experience. Like, I don't even know how he was able to carry on conversations within a few hours of window of this, you know? it's like, Well, it, it,
0: I mean, what followed this is he had to go then take care of the kids that Padme was birthing and then dying. Like, it's just one thing after another after another. (laughs) And at this point, he thinks that Yoda has also died because he can see uh, Palpatine's ship showing up on Mustafar.
1: Oh, does it say that in the book?
0: Yeah, in the book. And he said, oh, my friend must have failed. There's nothing left. So he walked away thinking Yoda was dead. But of course, he finds out sooner rather than later that that's not the case. But. He sees Palpatine's ship and says, like, shit, (laughs) I Uh, might be the only one left.
1: (laughs) God, that's so interesting.
0: I I also have this entire quote saved because it was also quite, I mean, you you segued perfectly into it. (laughs) (laughs) It was the, it's the last piece of of the duel. Quote, in the end, there was only one choice. It was a choice that Obi-Wan had made many years before when he had passed his trials of Jedi knighthood and sworn himself to the Jedi forever. In the end, he was still Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he was still a Jedi, and he would not murder a helpless man. He would leave it to the will of the Force. He turned and walked away. After a moment, he began to run. He began to run because he realized if he was fast enough, there was one thing he could still do for Anakin. He could still do honor to the memory of the man he had loved and the vanished order they both had served, and that was to go save Padme. Oh my God, wow. So, again, the purpose-driven man that we all talk about and love on this show had found another purpose in that immediate moment to drive him forward and out of that terrible moment. uh, Into another terrible moment. We've
1: (laughs) seen it, right? Like, over and over again with uh, Qui-Gon. His reason to keep going is to care for Anakin. With Satine, his reason to keep going was because he had his duty and, like, she wouldn't have wanted him to give mm-hmm. up on who he was just like over and over all of this heartbreak he somehow finds a reason to keep going and some people like i've heard people scoff at that when people hit hardship and they finally like, when they say there's a you know there's always a reason behind why things happen some people laugh at that idea laugh at it all you want shouldn't we take what we can to keep going absolutely we have to there's always hope Yes, why would you give up on hope? Why would you throw your hands up and say, I guess this is as good as it's going to get? Like, you could always find a reason to keep going just as much as you could find a reason to give up. Jenny has this quote she says all the time, but what if it all works out? Yeah, I mean, you're 50%. The glass is what, half
0: full and half empty? Could still be half full. Yeah. You could still make it out.
1: You could still try. Right. It's just... He's an amazing character. He's really an inspiring character because of that. I don't know. uh, This might be a really dumb question. But did Obi-Wan
0: get used to having to do this over and over? Is it possible for a human to to have to do... Am I ignorant for asking that? I don't
1: think so. I don't think it's ignorant at all. I think it depends on the person. I think some people are really worn down by these experiences... And other people recognize, like, oh, this is one of those things where I'm going to have to use use one of my coping mechanisms, you know? <laughs> like, right.
0: Right. And no one's right or wrong for how they deal with trauma and, and pain or right. any situation. But I can't help but think of Obi-Wan's fighting style. You and I have talked about it before. He learns from his previous battles. hmm And I think you can also apply that to emotional battles. You learn from, you know, the previous hurt you had to let go. Let's say Satine, you know, the most recent Mm -hmm. before Anakin, I guess. You would know like, okay, well, this worked for me last time. Maybe if I just refocus my energy on something, a purpose. And that's why I think Obi-Wan was always able to push forward because he always made sure that he had... A purpose external to himself, which we'll see again, and yeah. we talk about this later on, like that's, <laughs> in the next duel. He's
1: altruistic. He is mm-hmm. always for the greater good. That's why he even join, like, stays a Jedi when multiple times he has the opportunity to turn his back on it. If he wanted to, he doesn't because he believes in that greater good. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yeah. I think it's he's such a a character. I, I, I would aspire to be like, though I would not want to live his life.
0: right I I just to have the amount of grace every single time every challenge like just that maybe just
1: take a chip of that off (laughs) (laughs) you know Uh. yeah Uh, there's a couple of things in the cinematography I'd love to talk about if you're gay yes
0: please I I love your point of view on this stuff (laughs) you've got the eye for it you've got the training for it
1: well there's it's not as um, lyrical I would say as some of the cinematography it's pretty Pretty straightforward for the most part on all this stuff, but there are certain things that I found really interesting. Like, obviously, the environment, right, is burning lava. It's basically this volatile, yeah. precarious environment where, like, not only is it explosive and dangerous and representative of Anakin, but it's also Obi Wan on this precipice, right? Yes. Like, it's oh. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. <laughs> Any moment, it's like there's danger that could just swallow him up. Without you know, the environment could swallow him up. You know, one false move thing, yes. whether it be
0: emotionally or physically,
1: and it all goes to shit. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's cool, and this is all like because of the environment, it ties into the color scheme that's going on. And yes, again, it's not subtle at all. There's obviously red which is anger, violence, passion, and love, because Padme is there. That's all part of that as well. And then there's obviously a lot of black, which is grief, fear, and evil. So it's Mm a really dangerous environment. Oh, yeah, it's awful. (laughs) But something I love is their lightsabers are blue. Right. And it's this tiny little winking light most of the time, especially from far away, like especially when they're on the... I don't even know the pillar, you know, that falls yes, into the lava right. and you see them from really far away. All you see is their lightsabers, just this color like winking in the, the crazy red environment.
0: The blue lightsaber is a, is a protector. That's yes. the symbolism, a de- defense, defense of good, protection of yes. all that. And
1: ah! <laughs> in in cinema, <laughs> uh, cinematography, it represents calm. It does, yeah. It can also represent, like, cold and, like, depression and isolation, which also definitely, <laughs> like... I mean, at that moment. Yes, like, tie into that completely. But it's also, like, if it, if you're looking at the calm perspective, it's like, Obi-Wan is the calm in the storm, even though he Always is has been. ...in this tumult. He is still yeah. this centered person. And you see it in, like, Anakin's face, right? He has this look of determination, but really, he's so passionate. He's vulnerable.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: And, and yes. Obi Wan has this look on his face, like he's constantly trying to solve a puzzle the whole time. Like he's, yeah, you're, like he's you're totally right. He's thinking. He's anticipating. He's trying to like match Anakin without killing him. You know, and it's it's really yeah. interesting. And I I love the Force push moment where they're yes. in that equal force push, because I've said this before that some people have said that Obi-Wan's just deflecting Anakin, but if you watch it really closely, they do it at the same time. And so it's showing that they can't really get the upper hand on each other. Mm-hmm. And in the same mm-hmm. same sequence where they're like st- standing there twirling and the lightsabers are just right. like yes, twirling, yes. twirling, twirling, <laughs> twirling. The meme. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard... People shit on that a lot as it's absolutely ridiculous as a as a fencing technique, but the cinema or the choreographer I've heard explaining that they're readjusting to get an upper hand on each other, and neither one can do it. And yeah, that makes sense. The point there is that like again, they're so evenly matched that Anakin isn't actually more powerful than Obi Wan. It's just that he trained him, he taught him, he knows yeah. all of his little tricks, you know. And so it's—I yeah. really loved seeing the representation of their equality <laughs> in, in in all of this. And also, I just have to say that little sequence where they go through the hallway. Yes, that's probably my favorite. The outside going in—it's so Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I I really love it. I, it's
0: probably my favorite part of that whole duel. I, it's always been that hallway was always like yeah. Oh here it comes moment. And, <laughs> and they, well, I don't know. I have a thing for Vader in hallways. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Shit. <laughs> I didn't make the connection till now. Oh god, I have a type. Again. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. (laughs) But they kind of, they mirror it in the next, we'll talk about in the next episode. They mirror that because it's not a hallway, but it's a narrow passage that Mm -hmm. they go through between all the rocks. And again, Mm -hmm. like the blade is hitting every side as they go through it. And it's this like claustrophobic (laughs) idea of, Not only are they coming from the outside platform, they go through this tunnel, which, of course, tunnels are symbolic in their own sense. It's a period of transition, you know, and they go into this inner environment where they're closed in and they're stuck and it's claustrophobic. And then then when they they leave the exterior, that is where it's the most dangerous. You know, it's like inside Mustafar. Now there's nowhere to retreat. It's so dangerous and they're in the belly of the beast. You know, I just... Yeah. That's all I've got to so say. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so
0: good though. It's I I really I don't know. It's tops to me. I you have to walk through fire right to get to the end. And yeah. that's
1: literally what Obi-Wan's doing. Yeah.
0: I I guess Anakin is too, but I mean he does, he's not the victor.
1: Well, it's kind of what we said. I think it was the last episode when we said Yeah. We were talking about Attack of the Clones and how Anakin runs and does all this crazy shit and obi-wan walks Mm -hmm. and they arrive at the same place at the same time but obi-wan hasn't expended all of his energy to get there and you're still seeing that here to this day it's a really cool representation of their characters
0: and we see it again in the series multiple times not just in their duel yeah but obi-wan is i mean they go back these two go back and it's yeah. evident and it's, it's really sad, but I just love, can I, can I be shallow for two seconds? Please. <laughs> I love how sweaty Hayden is during all of this. Like when he's doing the, he's pushing the lightsaber into like, he's trying to get it to like yeah. Obi-Wan's neck or his face or something. And yes, it reminds me a little bit of when they're getting to Kadavo and he's got the lightsaber pointed at the the pilot of that ship that him and, yes. and, and Ahsoka's like, Ahsoka's like, Anakin! Like, <laughs> you know?
1: Yes. There's no Ahsoka there. Yeah, there's nothing holding
0: him back anymore. Obi-Wan has seen all this. Obi-Wan wasn't in the ship that day, but I'm sure that's not the first time, you know, he's had to be like, Anakin, get that lightsaber away from his neck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but in the book and this is what I I forgot all about this part and I you know my love for metal arms and hands <laughs> it's described of him like flicking his finger and opening up the metal of Anakin's hand to release his grip oh how fucking cool is that yeah i rem- i vaguely remembered that because it turned me on when i first read the novelization but like <gasps> <laughs> but it, i it's a it's a fantastic like like a moment he had clarity enough to be like, I can do this move to unlock his hand. Cause it's yeah. the metal and he's not relying on the force necessarily yes. to hold that grip. So that's his hand. That's his sword hand. Yeah. So he opened it. Cause I, I just love it. Uh, Obi-Wan's awesome. a thinker. He remains calm. He has clarity, even despite the emotional turmoil of the entire incident. Yeah. And the onslaught that Anakin's bringing physically, Obi-Wan still has, what can I do to to get one up on him?
1: Well, and the, that's, um, this is really hot to me. Like, the <laughs> the fact that Obi-Wan yes. has faced how many Siths and always holds his own oh. against it, it, like, except in, you know, the beginning of the Kenobi series. <laughs> he has some trouble, but otherwise, well, like... I'm understandable. Yes, yes, he's been... <laughs> Out of practice, he's a little rusty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love that about him, and he's not a cinnamon roll. He's not a cinnamon roll, but he's like people kind of forget how powerful he actually is. Like as a, he wasn't a teenager. I guess he was in his early twenties. Defeated Maul. Yeah,
0: wild. I mean, the amount of mental, uh, what's the word? I don't want to say gymnastics, but it's like the mental fortitude.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: To do this over and over and over i mean we could go back to the episode in the clone wars where he and adi gallia and she dies and he has to move on to take on maul and savage and the poor man (laughs) i love the cinematography talk some of my favorite stuff because it just ties it all together with a pretty little depressing (laughs) bow
1: you know what I mean (laughs) it's true and honestly there's even better cinematography in the Kenobi series I can't wait Mm -hmm. to talk about that Mm -hmm. for next week Mm because I don't know it's just like everything we just talked about colors environment everything is opposite and it's it's really really deliberate
0: to wrap this up I'll just reiterate the first sentence though this is the end of the age of heroes it has saved its best for last
1: (laughs) Join us back here next week. We are going to dive into the second half of this conversation where we analyze the final duel from the Kenobi series and we'll show you how it ties into Revenge of the Sith and it's going to be freaking awesome.
0: Last week we talked about leadership in Star Wars and some of the leaders we talked about. We didn't get to all of them. Mm -hmm. And one of the ones I wanted to get to was Han Solo. And... Our dear friend Kenobi Wolf brought up that he would follow Han Solo circa Return of the Jedi. Han Solo. Yes, <laughs> and I couldn't have agreed more because the point I wanted to bring up in the episode was there's a there's a leader hiding in Han. He just had to like break through his his uh, imposter syndrome will say, yeah. to let it out. And I think Luke saw that in him. Leia saw that in him. Kenobi Wolf sees that in him. We all see that in Han, and it only took Han seeing it in himself to become, you know, someone that people really trusted, yeah. looked towards, and he was able to lead in some of the most crucial moments of the battle for the galaxy. And thank you, Kenobi Wolf, for bringing it up because... He was on the list and we didn't get to him. There's so many. There are so many examples of great leadership in Star Wars. And Han, we salute you.
1: Thank you so much for joining us here on the Most Things Kenobi podcast. We appreciate every single one of our patrons and are grateful for your support. If you'd like to support the podcast and become a patron as well, head over to the Most Things Kenobi Patreon. As always, you can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you enjoy the podcast, feel free to rate us on Spotify and Apple. Please, that helps us a lot. And if you need just one place to find all of these, head over to MostThingsKenobi.com.
0: So, until next time, my space twin, may the Force be with you. Always.